When God speaks, His creation not only listens, it follows in obedience. The catch of fish were supernatural. The man had witnessed nature submitting to the Creator here. The man recognized it to be the presence of the incarnate Christ. Notice Jesus gave Peter great hope for the future. From now on, you will catch men. Acknowledge your sinfulness. He purges you. He equips you. He sends you. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. History is complete with memorable leaders, both good and bad. But the one thing any leader of significant impact has, or has had, is followers. Today, as our venture into the Gospel of Luke continues, Pastor Xavier draws upon the scriptural simple truths of the authority of Christ and the continued proclamation of His message. Open up the Word to the Gospel of Luke for today's encouragement. Luke chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. And the message is entitled, The Call of Peter. Notice in verse 1, Jesus was teaching the Word in Galilee. The conditions upon Jesus are very descriptive. Literally it says, while Jesus was speaking, the crowds of people were so closely packed together. They were pressing on him. They were there, hungry for the word. Notice in verse 2 and 3, Jesus was looking for a better platform from which he could continue to teach the multitudes. His eye caught a perfect spot. Some unoccupied boats were pressing. It says, and he saw two boats standing by the lake. Uh, The men were ready to go home, so the boats were docked there on the shore. And it says, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets from all night fishing. In verse 3, notice he stepped into one of the boats. Jesus chose Peter's boat. This was no coincidence. We'll see this because Peter is the target of this entire encounter. And he asked him to put out a little from the land so that he would not be so enclosed as before with the crowds. Jesus continued his teaching, it says. He sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. Secondly, notice the single most important lesson for the call of Peter comes in verse 4 through 8. The point in time is stated when he had stopped speaking. So in other words, he's through teaching the multitudes. The first order was to go out into the lake. He said to Simon, launch out into the deep. This is an imperative command in the era is active. Jesus was not asking or suggesting. It's an order. The second order was to cast his nets and let down your nets for a catch. Again, an imperative command. We're going to see that he'd been fishing all night and caught nothing. He's frustrated. He's tired. He's just finished cleaning his nets. But Peter answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night wanting to be respectful, but saying to himself, I am the fisherman. You're a preacher and a teacher and caught nothing. He had come back empty-handed from all night fishing. 
You ever do something like that? Spend an entire day working? Got everything done? Then on the last turn, you turn something too tight and you break the whole thing. Now you think you're the only one, but it happens to everybody. <laughs> Peter reluctantly declared he would obey Jesus. He would do it against his better and professional judgment. Listen to the word. Nevertheless, Peter was a professional fisherman and probably one of the best around, thinking Jesus, listen, stick to what you do best. He submitted to the commands. At your word, I will let down the net. In verse 6, the catch of fish was not natural. Their nets could not contain the fish. The force of the multitude of fish was so great that they just began to rip the nets open. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them, probably with their hands. They're at a distance. The conviction that came over Peter was like none he had ever experienced due to the witnessing of the miracles of the fish. He is abased, he's humbled. What does Peter do? Peter worshiped Jesus. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. He was acknowledging he was before the God-man. He's worshiping him. Now, Peter was declaring his abasement before Jesus in deep, genuine humility. Peter had seen many other miracles. He had seen the healing of his mother-in-law. He had seen others been healed of disease in the previous chapter. Demon-possessed people. But this was specifically focused and centered on Peter. Jesus is dealing with his heart, and it will be so with you. When God will deal with you and you alone and no one else, and God is going to just nail us, you and I. And he's going to bring us to the point where we fall down at the knees of Jesus and under the very same words of Peter, or not. Peter saw his utter sinfulness before Jesus, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. By the way, he calls him Lord Curios, one who owns and possesses him, not master no more. <laughs> this is beautifully illustrated by Isaiah the prophet in chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphims, each had six wings. Two they covered their face, two they covered their feet, two they flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, the captain of the armies of the heavens. The whole earth is full of the glory, of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the captain of the armies of heaven, the Lord of hosts. When you compare yourself to who Jesus is, this is the only response you can give. It's a true, genuine, sincere awareness of your utter poverty to merit anything before God. Jesus put it this way in John 15, 4 through 5, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. 
He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Here's the punchline. For without me, you can do nothing. Are you thoroughly convinced of that? Or are you thinking like Peter? You're the preacher. You're the teacher. But don't get in my business. There is a need to always understand and be totally convinced that we are altogether unworthy and unfit to be before God or to serve him. Isaiah 64, 6 says, But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 says, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. That's where we want to be. That our boldness, our confidence is in him with a broken, humble spirit that looks to him and him alone committed in every way, in every area, to fight as much as I can to resist so that I am faithful to him. And it's hard at times. Life is difficult. Emotions run. Things happen. I can logically conclude in my mind how right I am. But in heaven, he says, you're right off the chart and you're wrong. Paul put it this way, 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 7, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commends light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in this earthen vessel that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 7. Every day I have to learn that. Every time I go in my office to pray and study. Every time I stand behind this pulpit. Because we are so prone to say, man, I am good. I love me. The single most important lesson for the call of Peter was to know his sinful unworthiness before God. He could do nothing. Even what he thought he could do best. Notice thirdly, we have the sound decision at the call of Peter, 9 through 11. In 9 and part of 10, the company of men pressed and were captivated by the miracle of Jesus. Peter and the other fishermen are first addressed, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And rightly so. The word astonished means to be surrounded and encompassed. And the idea is to have been taken as a possession a seizure of the person, dumbfounded, mesmerized, kind of rubbing your eyes to see if it's true. The catch of fish were supernatural. The men had witnessed nature submitting to the creator here. The men recognized it to be the presence of the incarnate Christ. Notice the two brothers are also included. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. This is the first time the two are called the sons of Zebedee, which means my gift. It's of Hebrew origin. They will be named by Jesus sons of Bonerges, meaning sons of thunder. Remember in Mark 3.17, the Samaritans rejected Jesus, and they said, should we call down fire from heaven and barbecue him? Jesus says, you don't know what manner of spirit you are. You didn't mess with these guys. 
One of them was bad enough. Two of them, get out of the way. Two junkyard dogs. It's worse than one. They both were partners, coininos, partners, sharers, with Peter indicating business partners. We get our word koinonia from my partnership, sharers, part the takers. The name Simon means rock or stone, as you know. And when Andrew told Peter, his brother, about Jesus being the Messiah, he brought Peter to Jesus, and Jesus said in John 1, you are Simon, the son of Jonah, and you should be called Cephas, which is translated a stone in Aramaic. Peter gave the confession of Caesarea Philippi. Jesus said, your name is Petros, small stone. Upon this Petra, gigantic stone, that I'm the son of the living God, I will build my church. Not on you, Peter. God help us. God help us. Peter was not the pope. He would have to have been 350 years old to be the first pope. The calling to Peter was to be completely committed to Jesus. Look at the end of verse 11, or end of verse 10 and 11. The address was to Peter personally. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. Jesus gave this as a command to Peter. This is an present imperative, meaning that an active already begun. That action had begun already, and to stop it and not to allow it to continue, Lenski, the scholar, says. Not a suggestion. And there will be times when Jesus will come to you and myself, and he'll tell us exactly that. Enough with this stuff, because fear will cripple us. It will cause us to doubt. It will cause us to coward. It will cause us not to trust in the Lord. This due to seeing his inadequacy and sinfulness before Jesus. That's why he was fearing. Notice Jesus gave Peter great hope for the future. From now on, you will catch men. Stop fearing. Here's the future. The prophetic future promise was not based on what Peter will will to do on his own, but rather telling them what he will do. Not forcing them of his free will, but Jesus knows the future. The idea is depending and trusting in Jesus to direct Peter in ministry, yet Peter needed to learn this over and over again, as I already pointed out, when the old man or creeping thing, not so, Lord, and then over at Antioch. And you realize a lot of years between that stuff, stuff will come back. You got to put it under the blood. Satan will come back at a more opportune time. When you walk out on the balcony, you see a naked lady. When you're all alone, when you think you're strong, the word catch there means to catch alive in contrast to dead fish. The gospel never kills, but it makes alive in order that you might live abundantly. The illustration is the fish. And we are to fish and kill fish so we can eat. God created them for us, okay? So don't worry about PETA. But the gospel fishes for men and catches them and makes them alive. They are dead. The gospel makes you alive. The call was answered by Peter and the others also. Look at verse 11. The three men, Peter, James, and John, returned to shore. So when they had brought their boats to land, and the word brought, there's a nautical term, 
to bring from the high seas or the deep water. And these three men, Peter, James, and John, left all. They forsook all and followed him. This is the third time. Everything is left. The word forsook means to send away, to let go, or to give up of their own free will. Not by force. It is in the indicative errors active at that time. The boats, the fish, the work, their families, their homes. Matthew 19, 17. This is a personal call to them. It's not talking about people. And this is a good example of a pastor taking some of this and laying the big trip on you to abandon everything to bring all your money and give it to the church. Wrong. See, things can be twisted real easy, right? Out of context. This is a very specific call on Peter for ministry and others, okay? In principle, we can apply to where we are as individual Christians, to what God has called you to do. But it's so easy to twist things and manipulate and work the people, right? Got to help pastors to do that. They followed to join oneself to Jesus, in this case, as his disciples, his students. Now, you're called to do that. A student, what do you study? If you're not supposed to study the Word of God, like the emergent church says, why do you call yourself a disciple? It's a student. What do you study? The Word of God. You don't contemplate your navel. But see, what they do is they get you acting in the community. Give this community, family, Get you involved, get your job, get you hooked up, get your wife, get your husband, all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? It's the parallel to the, the country. It's a nanny state. The church is following the same model. God help us. Never to return to fishing until after the resurrection. Peter is just a hard-headed guy. This is recorded in John 21. 3 through 17. But let me just give you a few verses, and and, and I'll read it in verse 4 through 8. It says, But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood at the shore. This is after the resurrection. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the other side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast And now they were not able to draw it because the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. (laughs) Now Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord and he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in on little bulls for they were not far from the land but about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish. Jesus replicated the very same miracle at his calling. Peter, what are you doing fishing? Some of you going back to live with somebody? Back a little drinking? A little gambling? You fill in the blank. What are you doing fishing? Isaiah once again illustrates this point beautifully in the same context of Isaiah seeing his unworthiness before the Lord. In Isaiah... 6, 6 through 8 says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand the live coal, and he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? 
Then I said, here am I. Send me. You acknowledge your sinfulness. He purges you. He equips you. He sends you. The commentary of the New Testament, John in John 12, 41 says, the one that Isaiah was seeing was Jesus on the throne. Who does Peter have in his boat? Jesus. The call of God to ministry should not be taken lightly. It is enabled by God's word, Ephesians 4, 9 through 10, the various gifted men, the calling of God. It's accompanied with gifts of Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, 1 Peter 4, 10. It is effective through the power of the Holy Spirit, Acts 1, 8, Terry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. You shall be witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. It is directed by the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Gates don't fight. It's the authority and power of Satan that has no power over us if we're following Jesus and using his word and trusting him to do the work. I have seen um, men called the ministry, anointed, used of God, return to fishing. And then they've attempted to come back years afterwards and that window time closed. I've seen men be called anointed for ministry, and I've seen them abuse and get caught up in sin in ministry and disqualify themselves. Or worse yet, demand that they be reinstated because they're so proficient, such good teachers. Listen to me. You never exalt talent over purity. Are we clear on that? I don't believe you can miss your call. I believe you'll know you're called. But I do believe you can walk away from your call. You can bypass your call. Billy Graham said he knows he wasn't number one man. He was number two man. There was a Canadian God called. Read his book. God doesn't force you to serve him. Jesus is the one who catches fish alive, not us. The deception is to think that we are successful by the confirmation and applause and praises and compliments of the people. The deception is to think we are successful due to the number of people that are saved or come to our church thinking that it's because of us. Let me repeat this verse again because it's so, so appropriate. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commands light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. The sound decision at the call of Peter was to catch men by using only the word of God. Amazing. This is the call of Peter, characterized by the setting for the call of Peter, the teaching of the word of God. The single most important lesson for the call of Peter was to know his sinful unworthiness before God. He could do nothing. The sound decision at the call of Peter was to catch men by using 
good stuff for you and I. And God give us wisdom. Peter's ministry was successful, not because of who he was, but because of whom he served. Pastor Xavier and the simple truths of the power and authority of the Word of God. By the way, today's message titled, The Call of Peter, is available on CD for only $4. And we'll be including everything we heard the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, The Call of Peter, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com